Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Crime and Calamity podcast. My name is Kendall, and today we're going to be talking about one of the most infamous true crime cases in the United States, and it's probably the most known or one of the most known across the world, and that is the famously unsolved case of the Zodiac Killer. This one's one that I got really into because I did watch the Zodiac movie first. I didn't really know a whole lot about the Zodiac Killer. I wasn't super into it. I didn't really understand the hype behind it because, you know, I just figured, wow, another unsolved killer. And I know that sounds messed up. But, you know, I I hear so many of these cases where it's unsolved. And I was like, oh, okay, so he sent letters. So it's like Jack the Ripper. I figured it was just kind of a knockoff. No, I watched the movie and it was like almost three hours long. And man, it got me hyped. It got me so interested in this. And I immediately delved into way too much research. I went too hard. (laughs) This is one that is pretty heavily debated. Everyone has a theory on it. And that definitely includes me. As every week, I must add that disclaimer at the beginning that we will be talking about some pretty harsh subjects in this episode. And if that is not for you, that is totally fine. As for the rest of you who are here for the story, let's jump right in because this one's got quite a bit to it. This is a fairly long story. So the very first murder that we're going to be talking about, very first, is and known murders, sorry, of the Zodiac, ones that are confirmed, occurred on December 20th of 1968 on Lake Herman Road. The couple that was involved in the shooting, Betty Lou Jensen and David Faraday, were on a first date and planned to, t- to attend a Christmas concert at Hogan High School, about three blocks from where Betty Lou lived. Now, the couple instead visited a friend before stopping at a local restaurant and then driving out onto Lake Herman Road at about 10.15 p.m. Faraday then parked his mother's car, which was a rambler, on the road which was well known as a lover's lane. If you don't know what a lover's lane is, you're probably 12, but I did want to give a little background on what that is. A lover's lane is essentially this place where teens go to make out and or engage in sexual activity without getting caught by parents, people generally, cops, all that good stuff. Uh, Lover's lanes are pretty well known in towns pretty much everyone knows like that they're going i know that there's a lover's lane like in my hometown and pretty much everyone knows not to go there past 11 p.m because people are gonna be doing some not so holy things uh (laughs) shortly after 11 p.m uh the bodies of betty lou and david were found by stella borges who lived nearby They had been shot and killed by the attacker, and the Solano County Sheriff's Department invested the crime, but very quickly realized that there were no leads to develop. They just didn't have anything. They came to a complete dead end. Now, using forensic data, it was confirmed that the car had pulled in next to the couple a little before 11 p.m. So, uh, to remind you, this crime took place within 45 minutes, which is kind of insane, because this man showed up, killed these people, left, and left no evidence behind except for a little bit like ballistics wise that we'll go through, but nothing that could lead back to him, which I think is like borderline impressive in a dark twisted way. The killer apparently exited the second car, walked up to the Rambler, possibly they think so, ordering the couple out of the Rambler, and then Betty Lou appeared to have exited the car first. However, when David was about halfway out of the car, it was apparent that the killer had shot him in the head as he was getting out of the car. So he didn't even get a chance to get completely out. Then the killer then shot Betty Lou five times in the back of the head, 
as she ran away. So she was trying to make a break for it. Almost got there. She was found about 28 feet from the car and then the killer drove off. The second murders that we know are attributed to the Zodiac happened on, it says just before midnight, sorry. So just before midnight on July 4th, 1969, Darlene Farron and Michael Magot drove into the Blue Rock Springs Park in Vallejo, four miles from the Lake Herman Road murder site and parked. Now, while the couple sat in Darlene's car, a second car drove into the lot and parked beside them, but almost immediately drove away. Then they returned about 10 minutes later, and the second car parked behind them. Creepy. Very clearly, this guy has a... uh, He has a very specific way of doing things. It's almost like... I wonder, genuinely, like, my whole theory behind him leaving and coming back is that I think that he saw these people, saw a good opportunity to commit the murder and then decided he was going to commit the murder i'm guessing he probably lived pretty close went and got the supplies he needed and came back that's just my opinion nobody really knows the driver of the second car then exited the vehicle approaching the passenger side of the door to darlene's car carrying a flashlight and a a nine millimeter luger the killer directed the flashlight into Mar- Michael, sorry, Marlene, Michael and Darlene's eyes before shooting them, firing five times. It says both victims were hit and that several bullets had passed through Michael and into Darlene, which is so sad. The killer walked away from the car, but upon hearing Michael's moaning, he returned and shot them each two more times. So basically guy was like oh thought i did the job then because he heard michael making noise he just was like eh, for good measure came back thought he had them had them both killed sadly darlene was in fact pronounced dead at the hospital but michael survived the attack despite being shot in the face neck and chest and was able to describe the killer to police as and they and okay sorry the way he described the attacker was as a 26 to 30 year old man 195 to 200 pounds possibly even more and a five foot eight inch white male with short light brown curly hair so that's his description to police this is what the guy looked like on july 5th of 1969 at 12:40 a.m a man called the vallejo police department to report and claim responsibility for the attack the caller also then took credit for the murders of Betty Lou Jensen and David Faraday six and a half months earlier. Police traced the call to a phone booth at a gas station at Spring Road and was it was located about three-tenths of a mile from where Darlene's home was and only a few blocks from the police department itself, which is bold, by the way. That is so bold. The fact that he was like, I'm going to get as close to the crime, like the crime victim's home and to the police department as possible. Then I'm going to call the police. And then I'm just going to make a break for it. Which is, I don't know, man. That's a little crazy to me. The first Zodiac letters. Now, this is where it gets crazy interesting to me. The whole correspondence with the police thing. Like, he clearly wanted attention. Very clearly. It's pretty obvious to me that all he wanted out of this was attention. And the letters are absolute proof of that. So on August 1st, first sorry of 1969 three nearly identical letters prepared by the killer were received at the vallejo times herald the san francisco chronicle and the san francisco examiner 
These letters took credit for the shootings at Lake Herman Road and Blue Rock Springs. Each letter also included one-third of a 408-symbol cryptogram. Crazy. Which the killer claimed contained his identity. The killer demanded they be printed on each paper's front page or he would, quote, cruise around all weekend, killing lone people in the night, then move on to kill again until I end up with over a dozen people over the weekend. Jesus Christ. A psychiatrist looked over the letters, obviously, because, you know, they, they got to get a good idea of where this guy's mental space is at. He described the letters to be written by someone you could expect to be brooding and isolated, which makes a ton of sense to me. I mean, if you think about it, brooding and isolated, guy's probably a little low-key grumpy because he's not getting the attention he feels he deserves, so he reaches out and gets it. The Chronicle published its third, the, its third of the cryptogram on page four of the next day's edition. An article printed along the code quoted Vallejo Police Chief Jack E. Stilts as saying, quote, we're not satisfied that the letter was written by, a mur by the murderer and requested the writer to send a second letter with more facts to prove his identity. So they're like, eh, this could be like an actual murderer, but we're not sure. We kind of need you to give some facts that weren't presented to the media so that we can prove that it's you. Uh, the threatened murders did not happen and all three parts were eventually published. So the second letter sent, this is, this is one we have to read off. So I'm going to read to you the second letter. It's, man, it's a lot. It's, this guy is so sick. Dear editor, this is the Zodiac speaking. In answer to your asking for more details about the good times I had in Vallejo, I shall be very happy to supply even more material. By the way, are the police having a good time with the code? If not, tell them to cheer up. When they do crack it, they will have me. On the 4th of July, I did not open the car door. The window was rolled down already. The boy was originally sitting in the front seat when I began to fire. When I fired the first shot at his head, he leaped backwards at the same time, thus spoiling my aim. He ended up on the back seat of the floor and then in, sorry, he ended up on the back seat, then the floor in the back thrashing out very violently with his legs that's how i shot him in the knee i did not leave the scene of the killing with squealing tires and racing engines as described in the vallejo paper i drove away quite slowly so not to draw attention to my car the man who told the police that my car was brown was a negro about 40 to 45 rather shabbily dressed i was in his phone booth having some fun with the vallejo cops when he was walking by when I hung the phone up, the damn thing began to ring, and that drew his attention to me and my car. Last Christmas, in that episode, the police were wondering how I could shoot and hit my victims in the dark. They did not openly state this, but implied this by saying it was a well-lit night. I could see silhouettes on the horizon. Bullshit that this area is surrounded by high hills and trees. What I did see was a tape was the tape of a small pencil flashlight to the barrel of my gun. If you notice, in the center of the beam of light, if you aim it at a wall or ceiling, you will see a black or dark spot in the center of the circle of light about three to six inches across. When taped to a gun barrel, the bullet will strike in the center of the black dot on the light. All I had to do was spray them as if it were a water hose. There was no need to use the gun sights. I was not happy to see that I did not get the front page coverage. He then put in the Zodiac symbol, which we see for the first time, and says out, like, 
types out, not types, but writes out no address. So, here we are. This guy has officially called himself by a name. He wants to be known. He wants to be known as the Zodiac. He gives the Zodiac symbol. That's who he is. He's, he, there it is. Uh, a lot of his spelling was kind of fucked up. He wasn't the smartest of dudes. It was very clear. I mean, he was smart in like a street smarts kind of way, but he very clearly was like borderline illiterate. His spelling is atrocious, and that's why it's so hard to read. On August 8th of 1969, Donald and Betty Hardin of Salinas, California, cracked the 408 symbol cryptogram. It then contained a misspelled message, of course, in which the killer seemed to reference the most dangerous game. Now, if you don't know what the most dangerous game is, it's actually one of my favorite things I ever read in school. So we we went through this story, the most dangerous game, in middle school and in high school. And if you don't know what the most dangerous game is about, it is about a man who ends up on this island. I don't remember the exacts of it. And this rich dude basically hunts people. He had gone through hunting everything else. He had hunted enough. And he decided that the most fun things to kill had to be human beings. So what he would do is he would basically invite these people in, feed them, then release them into the woods like on this island that he lived on, and then would hunt them like an animal, which is so fucking creepy. And I remember like reading it and analyzing it in middle school and high school and just being so creeped out by this, which I find so I find it like way interesting that the Zodiac did mention him like mention this in the cipher. The cipher read and I quote, I like killing people because it, because it is so much fun. It is more fun than killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all to kill. Something gives me the most thrilling experience. It is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. The best part of it is that when I die, I will be reborn into paradise. And the, and the I have killed will become my slaves. I will not give you my name because you will try to slow down or stop my collecting of slaves for my afterlife. What the fuck? Like, what, what, what does that even mean? He's, so he has, like... Either he's doing this to fuck with police, which I kind of think, I don't think he genuinely believes this. Like, he was just fucking around in all reality. But he says that he believes that these people that he's killed will be his slaves when he dies. What, like, my real question is what religion that comes from? Like, where he got that idea? Did he see it in a TV show? That's just such a weird, like, out of nowhere belief to have. It doesn't make any fucking sense. I don't get it. Moving on from that. So that's cracked. They've published it. All that good stuff. The Lake Berryessa murders. Okay. On September 27th of 1969, Pacific Union College students Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard were picnicking at Lake Berryessa on a small island connected by a sand, a sand spit to Twin Oak Ridge. So they're having a nice little picnic. They're just kind of hanging out at the at the lake. Then, of course, the Zodiac has to come and fuck everything up. A white man, about 5 feet 11 inches, weighing more than 170 pounds, with combed greasy brown hair, approached them wearing a black executioner-type hood with clip-on sunglasses. What the fuck are clip-on sunglasses? This is just, like, the dumbest I know. I know that literally when I do this, I pick out the dumbest shit to be concerned about. I have never heard in my fucking life 
of clip-on sunglasses. I don't know. That feels like very rolly backpack kid to me, but I don't know. I feel like he deserves the judgment. I was going to say no judgment, but I think that someone who murdered several people probably deserves a little bit of judgment. Mans was greasy. So he had those sunglasses on over the eye holes and a bib-like device on his chest. Like for what? That had a white three by three inch cross circle symbol on it. So the, the symbol that we now know is the Zodiac symbol. The one that he used to kind of like sign off. What the fuck is with this ensemble, my guy? Like, why are you showing up looking all crazy? That's like the first time that we really hear about him doing that weird shit. I genuinely wonder if maybe because he got kind of caught, you know, if he like because that kid lived and was able to give a description of him. I'm wondering if he was like, oh, well, I have to be weird and creepy and ominous and go with the whole Zodiac thing and try not to get fucking identified again weird uh he approached them with a gun which brian believed to be a 45 the hooded man claimed to be an escaped convict from jail with a two-word name in either colorado or montana where he had killed a guard and subsequently stolen a car explaining that he now needed their car and money to go to mexico as the vehicle he had been driving was too hot imagine Imagine you're driving a perfectly good car. You're a little warm, so you just stop and kill people for theirs. Got it. He had brought pre-cut lengths of plastic clothesline and told Celia to tie Brian up before he tied her up. So the killer checked and tightened Brian's bonds after discovering that Celia had bound Brian's hands too loosely for his taste. I feel like, you know, if you if you wanted something done right, should have done it yourself. That's just my opinion. Uh, Brian initially believed this event to be a bizarre robbery, but then the man drew a knife and stabbed them both repeatedly. Brian suffering six stabbing wounds and Cecilia suffering 10 wounds in the process. It genuinely seems as though, like, honestly, in my opinion, it seems like he cares more about the female victims dying than the men. Because, like, he definitely goes more into overdrive when he kills the women and he makes sure they die. Like, that's just what it seems like to me, I guess. The killer then hiked 500 yards back up to Knoxville Road, drew the cross circle symbol, the the Zodiac symbol, on Brian's car door with a black felt tip pen and wrote beneath it, Vallejo, 122068, 7-4-69, September 27th, 69, 6-30, by knife. So he wrote, he basically, it was him saying, like, I killed these people. Uh, At 7.40 p.m., the killer called the Napa County Sheriff's Office from a pay telephone to report his latest crime. The killer first stated to the operator that he wished to report a murder. No, a double murder. That's, That's the quote. Report a murder. No, a double murder. Okay. Before stating that he had been the perpetrator of the crime. So he likes to, like, get close to these sheriff's offices, which I think is kind of weird. I feel like it's probably like a thrill of the chase kind of thing. The phone was found still off the hook minutes later at the Napa car wash on Main Street in Napa by Kayvon radio reporter Pat Stanley, only a few blocks from the sheriff's office, yet 27 miles from the crime scene. Detectives were able to lift a still wet palm print from the telephone, but were never able to match it to any suspect. This dude moves quick. Like the fact that he didn't leave any fingerprints is just wild. Like, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, I guess. Uh, The phone, again, found off the hook. So, like, he just left that shit running, 
I guess. Like, why? I don't know. Maybe it was an accident. After hearing their screams for help, a man and his son who were fishing in a nearby cove discovered the victims and then summoned help by contacting park rangers. Napa County Sheriff's deputies Dave Collins and Ray Land were the first law enforcement officers to arrive at the scene. So, people heard the screams. They came a-running. Understandable. Uh, Cecilia was conscious when Collins arrived, providing him with a detailed description of the attacker. Brian and Cecilia were taken to Queen of the Valley Hospital in Napa by ambulance. And then Cecilia sadly went into a coma while she was on her way to the hospital and she never like came back, which sucks. Like she just never woke back up again. And then she died two days after that. But Brian survived. And that's why we have such a detailed account to give like in reporting is because he survived and was able to tell the, the, the press about what happened. Again, by the way, just a kind of mid shout out, I get like all of my sources and a lot of my information from Wikipedia, but I do check the sources because I know that Wikipedia can be seen as a pretty shitty place to get information. So I do check the sources. I read the sources that I'm given to like about all of these and it's really helpful. So shout out to Wiki, I guess. Presido Heights murders. Now, two weeks later, on October 11th of 1969, a white male passenger entered the cab driven by this man named Paul Stein at an intersection of Mason and Geary Streets in San Francisco. He, I guess he said that he wanted to be taken to Washington and Maple Street. For reasons that we, we have no idea why, uh, Paul Stein drove past Maple onto Cherry Street, which is a pretty infamous street nowadays. The passenger shot Stein once, with a 9mm, took Stein's wallet and keys, and then tore a section of the blood sh- bloodstained shirt tail off of Paul. That's a very important thing to remember because it does play a pretty important part in determining who the Zodiac, like what letters were sent by the Zodiac. This passenger was observed by three teenagers across the street at around 9.55 p.m., and they called the police while the crime was happening. Like, they watched him do it. They saw the man wiping the cab down with the dead guy inside before walking away towards the Presido Heights, uh, a block to the north. Then, two blocks away from the crime scene, two officers responding to the call observed a white man walking along the sidewalk and stepped into a stairway leading up into the front yard of one of the homes, they talked to him, I guess. Like, they stopped and said something to him, but the account, like, the encounter didn't last very long, only, like, a few seconds. So, one of the officers estimated that the white male was, like, 35 to 45. He was, like, 5'10", with a crew cut. And it was a pretty similar description that was given by the teens who saw the, the whole crime take place. Except, they said it, it may be, like, 25 to 30. However, like, in all reality, they were, like, across the street. So, I can get why they might not have seen that. They said that the guy was probably 5'8 to 5'9. So that's also pretty close. Now, here's where the bullshit comes in. I want you to take a wild guess. I'll even give you a second. Tell me how you think the police radio dispatcher described the suspect. You have a few seconds, starting now. No? They said the guy was black. Nobody in this situation said that the man was black. Not one. But the cops were just like, dude was black. It happened. Sorry. So, 
the officers that talked to the white dude didn't think anything of it. They drove past him without stopping. The mix-up in the descriptions is completely unexplained. No one ever had to answer for that. A search ensued, but no suspects were found. This was the official, the last like officially confirmed killer or murder, sorry, by the Zodiac killer. So it's official. This is the one that we know was him. The Stein murder was initially believed to be a routine robbery. However, on October 13th, the San Francisco Chronicle received a new letter from the Zodiac, which claimed credit for the killing and which contained a torn section of Stein's bloody shirt specifically to prove the fact that it was him. So now we come into the situation where we have more letters to read. On October 14th of 1969, the Chronicle then received another letter from the Zodiac, this time containing a swatch of Paul Stein's shirt tail as proof that he was the killer. It also included the threat about killing school children on a bus. Why? Like, the MO switched so fast, and it's so weird. Like, now it's very, very clear that he's only doing this for attention. He's not getting off on, like, the specifics of killing couples. Nothing like that. He just wants to kill people and get attention for it. At 2 o'clock p.m. on October 20th, 1969, someone claiming to be the Zodiac called the Oakland Police Department, demanding that one of the one of two prominent lawyers, F. Lee Bailey or Mel- Melvin Belly, appeared on the AM San Francisco, a talk show, which was on Kago TV, I think, hosted by Jim Dunbar. Bailey was not available, but Belly did appear on the show. Okay, so now it's like, okay, so he wants help i guess that's what it seems like at least eventually someone claiming to be the zodiac did call several times and then said that his name was sam belly arranged a rendezvous to meet with this individual in a in person however that person obviously never showed up clearly uh it was pretty much proved that this was not the zodiac i believe he even says that (laughs) that it wasn't him uh, on November 8th of 1969, the Zodiac mailed a card with another cryptogram consisting of 340 characters. This cipher was dubbed the Z340, remaining unsolved for 51 years. Now, this is where shit gets wild, bro. This is exactly why I had to talk about this, because, oh my god, I'm talking so fast, because I get so excited about this. Literally, a month ago, December of 2020, December 5th, it was deciphered. Like, finally, after 51 years, they finally figured out what the fuck it said. It was deciphered by an international team of private citizens, including American software engineer David Orenshack, Australian mathematician Sam Blake, and Belgian programmer Jarl Van Eyck. I'm so sorry. I probably butchered that name, and I, I feel like an asshole, but that just is what it is. So, what we have recently found out that the cipher ended up reading is, quote, I hope you are having lots of fun trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me. I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise sooner because now I have all of these slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise. So they are afraid of death. I will not be afraid because I know that in my new life, it will be, I know that my new life is life will be an easy one in paradise death. Mans was basically illiterate. Uh, On November 9th of 1969, the Zodiac mailed a seven-page letter stating that two policemen stopped and actually spoke to him for three minutes, 
or sorry, not for three minutes. They stopped and spoke to him three minutes after he shot Stein. Bro, how much do you want to fucking bet? How much do you want to bet that those dumbasses <laughs> actually spoke to the Zodiac killer? The description matches. And these idiots messed up, said the suspect was black, and it let him get away. That same day, Officer Don Fook, fuck, Fook, I don't know what the hell his name is, wrote a memo explaining what had happened the night of Stein's murder. So it's very, it's pretty much clear. I think we're all very on the same page that they definitely talked to the Zodiac and that they're just dumb. That's basically it. It was literally just a lack of good police work that, like, they literally could have had him right then. On December 20th of 1969, exactly one year after the murders of David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen, the Zodiac mailed a letter to Belly that included another swatch of the Stein shirt. The Zodiac said that he wanted Belly to help him. So, that's all we have that is on, like, dead record, this was the Zodiac who did it. There is a lot of speculated possible Zodiac murders, though we don't know for sure, but it is definitely possible that it was him. So let's let's quickly go through like a list of those. Robert Domingos, 18, and Linda Edwards, 17, shot and killed on June 4th, 1963 on a beach near Gaviota. There are some specific similarities between their attacks and the Zodiac's attack at Lake Berryessa five years later. So we're, if, if these are correct, the Zodiac was killing a lot longer than our very first confirmed kill. Which would make some sense, which, like, it would make some sense to me because of the fact that, like, there was so much, like, I don't know, like, professionalism, I guess? Like, I guess there's no way to be a professional serial killer. Well, there is. You could be a hitman. But that's not my point. I'm, like, there's been practice, clearly. Like, that's why he wasn't leaving any evidence. In my opinion, I think he's been killing a long time before. And he probably reached out because he was tired of not, like, people not putting together that it was him. Now, another one we've got is Cherry Joe Bates, 18, stabbed to death and nearly decapitated, good God, on October 30th of 1966 at Riverside City College in Riverside. Bates's possible connection to the Zodiac only appeared four years later after her murder when San Francisco Chronicle reporter Paul Avery, Paul Avery's, uh, Paul Avery's a guy, a weird, he's an interesting man. He received a tip regarding similarities between the Zodiac killings and the circumstances surrounding Bates's death. We will get into that later. Uh, another speculated murder possibly done by the Zodiac, Donna Lass, 25, last seen September 6th of 1970 in Stateline, Nevada. A postcard with an advertisement for Forest Pine pasted on the back was received at the Chronicle on March 22nd of 1971. No evidence has been uncovered to connect Lass's disappearance with the Zodiac, though. So they don't really know. There's not really any evidence to say that that's what happened. And I don't think they've even found her from what it sounds like. So, like, we have no way of knowing. It's just a possibility. Then this one we're going to get further into after. But uh, Kathleen Johns, 22, allegedly was abducted on March 22nd and believes wholeheartedly that it was the Zodiac who did it. She's so sure. But, like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not sure about that. I guess we'll get into more of my theory on the situation afterwards. But uh, we'll, we'll get really into Kathleen Johns' account of what happened that night. So, 
On the night of March 22nd, 1970, Kathleen Johns was driving from San Bernardino, Bernardino, yes, to Pataluma to visit her mother. She was seven months pregnant at the time and had her 10-month-old daughter beside her. First of all, what a fucking trooper. She got pregnant fast again. And there's no, like, obviously no judgment. That's crazy. That's just, like, terrifies me. Like, having two kids that young has to be so, like, stressful. Anyways, that's, like, super not relevant at all. While heading west on Highway 132 near Modesto, a car stopped behind, or, or sorry, not stopped. A car behind her began honking its horn and flashing its headlights at her bro i have no trust in the world i would fucking never do what she did which is she pulled off and stopped for why bro people in the 70s had way too much trust in people i would absolutely never absolutely fuck that the man parked it, the man in the parked car behind her approached her car stated that he observed that her right wheel was wobbling and offered to tighten the lug nuts bro again the trust that these people had in other people is astounding to me because i trust fucking no one i'd be like bitch don't touch my car i'll figure it out leave me alone then after finishing his work the man drove off yet when john pulled forward to re-enter the highway the wheel almost immediately came off after the car bro how is this not obvious at this point the man then returned, offering to drive her to the nearest gas station for help. She and her daughter climbed into his car. What the fuck? Like, again, so much trust. How, how is like a woman, do you get into a car with a strange man who said he was going to help you with your car and then your wheel comes off? So you get in with the, the car with your 10-month-old daughter? Like, uh, no victim blaming here. Obviously, the 70s was a very different time. There was a whole lot more, like, trust in people in general. But, man, knowing what we know now, holy shit, did that sound like a horrible, horrible idea. During the ride, the car passed several service stations, but the man didn't stop. For about 90 minutes, so, dude, an hour and a half, he drove back and forth between the back roads near Tracy. When Johns asked why he wasn't stopping, he would change the subject. What the fuck? That would scare the shit out of me. I cannot imagine being in the car for 90 minutes with a stranger. And then him just being like, oh, well, I'll take you to a gas station. Then he just doesn't stop. Dude, I would shit myself. Absolutely. When the driver finally stopped at an intersection, Johns jumped out with her daughter and hid in the field. The driver searched for her using his flashlight, telling her that he would not hurt her before eventually giving up. Unable to find her, he got back in the car and drove away. When Johns gave her statement to the sergeant on duty, she noticed the composite sketch of Paul Stein's killer in the background and recognized him as the man who had abducted her and her child. So she's like, that's him. Zodiac killer is my abductor for sure. Fearing that they, he might come back and kill them, the sergeant had Johns wait in the dark at a nearby Mills restaurant. And when her car was found, it had been gutted and torched. So, like, some people might say, well, oh, she was dramatic. She was just a little freaked out. He probably wasn't going to do anything, and she just jumped out of the car because she freaked out. Why would her car have been gutted and torched? That's horrifying. That's so scary. Like, I cannot imagine how terrifying it must be to, like, get out of the car, like, having that really bad feeling, and then find out that they fucking lit your car on fire. Oh, my God. 
That is absolutely horrifying. Now, there's even more letters that come after. The Zodiac continued to communicate with authorities for the remainder of 1970 via letters and greeting cards to the press. In a letter postmarked April 20th of 1970, the Zodiac wrote, My name is blank, followed by a 13-character cipher, which has never been cracked. The Zodiac went on to state that he was not responsible for the recent bombing of a police station in San Francisco, which I think is, like, kind of random. It's like, I didn't, I didn't bomb anywhere. I didn't do that. It's like, okay, if you've never bombed anywhere before, why would anyone fucking think it's you? But all right, Miss Man wants attention. However, he added, there is more glory to killing a cop than a citizen because a cop can shoot back. So, uh, are you trying to convince people that you didn't put the bomb up there or no? The letter that included a diagram of a bomb that the Zodiac claimed he would use to blow up a school bus. So this man is just kind of wilding out in all reality. Uh, Zodiac sent a greeting card postmarked April 28th of 1970 to the Chronicle. Written on the card was, I hope you enjoy yourselves when I have my blast. Like, blast in all caps. Followed by the Zodiac's cross circle signature. So he's just fucking with them at this point. Like, if, like in all honesty, all this seems like is a guy's like, ha ha ha, I'm gonna fuck with you. I'm gonna scare the shit out of people because it's funny. That's all it was. On the back of the card, the Zodiac threatened to use the bus bomb soon unless the no newspaper published full details of what he wrote. See, so he's just like, I'll blow shit up if you don't pay attention to me. Give me attention. Give me attention. It's like, how fucking starved do you have to be, bro? Gives me big daddy issues vibes, but okay. He also said that he wanted to see people wearing some, quote, nice Zodiac buttons. This man was like, I want to see Zodiac buttons like I'm running for fucking president. What? the fuck <laughs> like that's so weird i'm sorry like it's laughable because it's such a clear begging crying for attention and it's so ridiculous like it's such a childish thing to do it's ugh, man it's stupid in a letter postmarked june 26th of 1970 the zodiac stated he was upset that he did not see people wearing the zodiac buttons mans was hurt he wrote i shot a man sitting in a parked car with a 38 the Zodiac was possibly referring to the murder of Sergeant Richard Raditich? Raditich? Raditich, I think. Man, these names are bullshit. A week earlier on June 19th at 5.25 a.m., Radic was writing a parking ticket in his squad car when an assailant shot him in the head with a 38 caliber pistol. The officer later died 15 hours. Like, died 15 hours later. And I just want to make it clear, uh... They say that this isn't true. Like, the police department holds clear that this was just an unknown assailant. Like, it's still an, technically an unsolved murder, but a lot of people do believe that it was the Zodiac. You never know. In a letter to the Chronicle postmarked July 24th, 1970, the Zodiac did take credit for the Kathleen Johns abduction. Four months later, though, and he didn't give any special shit. Like, he didn't, he didn't give any information that he wouldn't have known just from the press like he was taking all of this accountability for this shit and like it didn't happen also i'm pretty sure i saw somewhere i'm not exactly sure what he put on this exact one but somewhere in here in these like postmarks and shit he started to like score himself he would be like zodiac this number then police department zero 
Like he was he was trying to be like, ha ha ha, I'm winning, you know, which is weird. But he, again, wasn't giving any special details and he wasn't like going out of his way to prove things like he was with the other murders. Like with the other murders, he was sending in strips of clothing to prove it and he was giving extra details to prove it. And he wasn't doing that here. So I think he honestly just wanted the opinion, like or not opinion, but the attention at this point. And I think that's pretty obvious. Like, I don't even know if he actually did these. I honestly, like, at least with the Kathleen Johns one, I don't think he did that one. And we'll get further into that later. Whatever. Uh, he also s paraphrased this, a song from The Mikado, adding his own lyrics about making a little list of the ways he planned to torture his slaves in paradise. On October 7th of 1970, the Chronicle then received a 3x5-inch card signed by the Zodiac with the Zodiac symbol and a small cross reportedly drawn in blood. The card's message was formed by pasting words and letters from an edition of the Chronicle, and 13 holes were punched across the card. Inspectors Armstrong and Toshi agreed that it was highly probable that the, 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 the letter came from the Zodiac. So, this dude's just kind of being weird in all reality. Like, he's just being a little crazy. He just wants to prove that he's crazy. And my question, if it was written in blood, why in the fuck did they not DNA test it? Nowhere in my research did I find any fucking thing saying that they DNA tested the blood. Where did he get the blood, bro? Like, maybe he got it from, like, an animal or something. Maybe he got it from another person. But, like, there's a chance, you know, that it was his own blood. I doubt it. But it's possible, you know? Could have at least gone for it. At very fucking least. I'm saying the fuck word a lot in this episode. Whoops. On October 27th of 1970, the Chronicle reporter Paul Avery, who had been covering the Zodiac case, received a Halloween card signed with the letter Z and the Zodiac's cross circle symbol. Handwritten on the card was a note that says, Peekaboo, you are doomed. The threat was taken very seriously and received a, a front page story of the Chronicle. Also, uh, I, I'm pretty sure this came after. I, I saw this in the movie, and I've seen some reports saying so as well. It was pretty much a response to the fact that Paul Avery, like, was making fun of him and, like, calling him, like, incompetent. And I'm pretty sure he called him gay. And so the guy was like, fucking, I might be a murderer, but at least I'm not gay. Like, threw a homophobic fit and was going to kill Avery, which is ridiculously funny to me like it's not funny because it's clearly like scary this serial killer was angry and wanted to kill this certain guy but like the fact that this man was like I'm, I'm not a fucking homo like come on man come on my guy soon after receiving this letter Avery received an anonymous letter alerting him to the similarities between the Zodiac's activities and the unsolved Mary of murder of Sherry Joe Bates which had occurred four years earlier at the city college in Riverside in the greater Los Angeles area, more than 400 miles from south or south of San Francisco. He reported those findings in the Chronicle. Honestly, I think he started reporting so much because he was scared shitless. I think he just didn't want to, like, anger him any further, which I think makes sense. After the Pines card, which is, like, the card that was, uh, quote, like, they, they were kind of, like, hinting that he was a part of that one murder that was completely unsolved and it was more of a disappearance like they still have never found her so like they think it might have been him but there's no other evidence saying it is so i don't know uh in that letter like he, like he he says like this whole thing about him killing her i don't think he did i really don't uh the chronicle then received a letter from the zodiac postmarked january 29th of 1974 
three years after the Pines card. So the Zodiac was completely silent for three years. And this goes into my theory of who the fuck it is. Because I, I believe I'm right. I believe I am correct. Uh, it was praising The Exorcist as, quote, the best satirical comedy that I have ever seen, quote. Okay, like, are you trying to look hardcore? I don't know. The letter included a snippet from of a verse from the Mikado and an unusual symbol at the bottom that had remained unexplained by researchers. Zodiac concluded the letter with a new score. So he finally, like, the last letter that we know of from the Zodiac concluded the letter. It says, me, 37, uh, San Francisco PD, zero. So he's claiming that he killed 37 people, which I highly fucking doubt. I really don't think that he killed 37 people. I think he wanted attention for the 37 because I believe at the time, it was like around the time that John Wayne Gacy got caught and he had 35 confirmed murders. So he wanted to beat it. I think that, I genuinely think that's what it is. Uh, some of the letters, other letters were received, but it is entirely suspicious who wrote them. Like they're pretty sure it wasn't him and it was just some dipshit wanting attention. So I, I don't, I didn't find a whole lot of information on those because they're pretty sure they're not the Zodiac at all. So currently, because we have now come to the end of the correspondence and murders that have come from the Zodiac, currently, in April 2004, South Francisco PD marked the case inactive, stating that the caseload was pressurous and the resource demands, it was just, they were, they were closing the case because they just, it was too much resources into something that they were pretty sure they weren't going to be able to solve. However, they reopened the case in, like, sometime around March of 2007, maybe a little bit before. In May 2018, the Vallejo Police Department announced their intention to attempt to collect the Zodiac's DNA from the back of stamps that he used during his correspondence. The analysis by a private laboratory was expected to check the DNA against GED match. So, it, like, if you don't know anything about the Golden State Killer, if you, like, I honestly think I might do an episode on him. He's very interesting. He's a creepy motherfucker. Uh, he raped a lot of women, killed a lot of women. All the uh, fun stuff, clearly. Um, but basically, the way they found him is through DNA testing, but genetic DNA testing. So it was like, they tested to see if their, his, like, family members had been DNA matched. And they found out who that was. Uh, the Golden State Killer, Joseph James D'Angelo, was found that way. They were hoping that they might find the Zodiac that way. However, uh, the Vallejo police detective said that the results were expected in several weeks in 2018. And that just, like, no one's reported what that came up with. So I wonder, genuinely, if they do know who it is and they haven't told anybody. I wonder if they just, like, don't know so they don't want to talk about it. And they're hoping everyone forgets. Bitch, I ain't forgetting. I want to know who the hell it is. Uh, so theories, like the common theories, I'll go through the common theories, then we'll go through the one that I agree with. Theories. Ross Sullivan became a person of interest through the possible link between the Zodiac Killer and the murder of Sherry Jo Bates. Uh, Sullivan was a library assistant at the college that she went to and was suspected by coworkers who said that he went missing for several days after the murder. So not good. Sullivan kind of resembled like some of the sketches of Z the Zodiac and he wore military style boots kind of like the ones that were found around the Lake Berryessa crime scene. He was also hospitalized multiple times for bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. So man's was a little fucked up. And I can say that because I am also mentally ill. Calm down. I promise I don't think all that pe all people with mental illnesses are fucked up. I just think it doesn't help. 
and I can say that. I, I agree. Uh, it's, it's not easy having mental illness. Doesn't make it okay for you to kill people, though. Kathleen Johns, who claimed to have been abducted by the Zodiac, later picked out this man named Lawrence Kane in a photo lineup. So they, they, they think that it might have been him. There wasn't really a whole lot <laughs> saying so, you know. Um, Kane closely resembled the man that was seen at the Paul Stein thing. Like the officer says that the guy that he talked to looked kind of like Kane, but it's not really provable or anything. Uh, Kane was diagnosed with impulse control disorder after suffering brain injuries in a 1962 accident. He was then arrested for voyeurism and prowling. Police informants accused a man named Richard Marshall of being the Zodiac Killer, claiming that he had privately hinted at being a murderer, which I don't think proved shit. I don't know, in my opinion. Uh, I, I guess that he lived close to the scene of Bates and Stein, so I guess, like, oh, he lived around there, so maybe. Don't think so. I I don't think so. It just, it doesn't. I none of that gives me any vibe the next one I think is really stupid <laughs> in my opinion I think this is the dumbest fucking one Ted Kaczynski if you don't know who that is that's the Unabomber he was investigated for possible connections and he had worked in Northern California at the time that those Zodiac murders and like the Zodiac he did have an interest in like cryptography shit like that so like the the encrypted shit that he was putting in it was very like very like Kaczynski to do that kind of shit. He was ruled out by both the FBI and SFPD based on fingerprint and handwriting comparison and the fact that he was not in California on certain dates of known Zodiac activity. So like it wasn't him. People just were pinning this on absolutely everybody. Now this next one I think is actually really interesting. Like there again there's no evidence to it. I just think it's an interesting thought. Uh, Bruce Davis who if you didn't know is a member of the Charles Manson Manson family cult and as a convicted murderer, was investigated, but no evidence was convict like there, like there was none. They couldn't convict him because there was no evidence linking him to the Zodiac murders. Nothing discovered. And in a 1970 report by the California Bureau of Criminal Identification and Investigation, they stated that all the male members of the Manson family had been investigated as Zodiac suspects, but they'd all been eliminated because there was nothing. They really, honestly, there was so much pressure behind this case that they were just kind of throwing everything at the wall and hoping the shit stuck but it didn't so sorry now this is the one this is the one i guarantee it's true this is the one that the movie kind of talks about quite a bit and i agree with it wholeheartedly not just because of the movie i have read the book i have read so much on this situation i promise to god i believe with everything in my bones Arthur Lee Allen is the goddamn Zodiac. I swear. Robert Graysmith's book, Zodiac, advanced Arthur Lee Allen as a potential suspect based on circumstantial evidence. Again, I've said this before. I don't think that evidence being circumstantial means that that person is, is innocent. I just don't. I think circumstantial evidence is incredibly important. And I think that sometimes people count it out because it's ruled as circumstantial. Yes, it can be explained away. However, I, I I really, really, really think it's him. I, I'm very passionate about this subject. I swear to God it's him. Allen had been interviewed by police from the early days of the Zodiac investigations and was the subject of several search warrants over a 20-year period. 20 years! In 2007, Graysmith noted that the several police detectives described Allen as the most likely subject. 
I agree. On October 6th of 1969, Allen was interviewed by Detective John Lynch of the Vallejo Police Department. Allen had reportedly been in the vicinity of Lake Berryessa again, like during the attack against Hartnell and Shepard on September 7th, 27th of 1969. He says that he was scuba diving at Salt Point at the Salt Point on the day of those attacks. But no one can back up his story. He was pointed there. Someone said that Alan was there. And he's like, no, I was off scuba diving by myself. Like, nobody was there. But, like, just trust me, bro. No, fuck that. Lie. In my opinion, it's all a legend. He's dead now. He can't sue me. But that's not the point. Alan then again came to the police attention in 1971 when his friend Donald Cheney reported to police in Manhattan Beach California that Alan had spoken of his desire to kill people use the name Zodiac and secure a flashlight to a firearm for visibility at night according to Cheney this conversation occurred no later than January 1st 1969 hello it's him (laughs) like what this man was like i would like to be called the zodiac and i would like to kill people and i think that'd just be a great old time it's him jack molinax of the vallejo police department subsequently wrote that allen had received an other than honorable discharge from the u.s navy in 1958 and had been fired from his job as an elementary school teacher in march of 1968 10 years later after allegations of sexual misconduct with students so man's was gross Not only was he hoeing with students, he was an elementary school teacher, which means these kids were very, very underage. Gross. Nasty. Gross man. He was generally well regarded by those who knew him. Fucking gross. Uh, Why would you? Oh, he's well regarded, but he's also like a proven pedophile. But okay. Uh, Whatever. But he was also described as by other people as fixated on young children. Ew. And angry at women. Okay. He apparently never had a girlfriend or a wife, as far as anybody knows. In September of 1972, San Francisco police obtained a search warrant for Allen's residence. In 1974, Allen was arrested for sexually assaulting a 12-year-old boy. Again, fucking ew. He pled guilty, because he did that shit, and served two years of imprisonment. Vallejo police searched, served another search warrant at Allen's residence in February of 1991. Two days after Allen's death in 1992, Vallejo police served another warrant and seized property from Allen's residence. Bro. Like, I, I swear to God, even the police knew this motherfucker was guilty. Other evidence existed against Allen. However, it was entirely circumstantial and none of it could be proven. A letter sent to the Riverside Police Department from Bates's killer was typed with a royal typewriter with an elite type. The exact same brand found during the February 1991 search of Allen's residence. He also owned and wore a Zodiac brand wristwatch. And do you know what that means? The exact symbol that the Zodiac used was on his watch. The exact symbol that the Zodiac used was on a Zodiac watch on Allen. Mans did that shit. He did that shit. I'm just saying he did that shit. Alleged, but he did that shit he did that shit sorry i'm very passionate about this i am so sure this man did this he lived in vallejo and worked minutes away from one where one of the zodiac victims lived and where one of the killings took place 
all of the letters this is the part that is so damning to me and i had to add this in this was not in like the original research i did i had to like go find other sources to prove this because they mentioned it in the movie and they've mentioned it in like a couple youtube videos that i've seen on it so i was like this shit's true all of the letters correspond around the times that arthur was in and out of prison and no letters were sent during his time in prison nor after his death so so think about it this way remember when i told you that he went to prison for two years for sexually assaulting a, a 12 year old boy now remember when i told you that there was a period of time for three years where the zodiac said absolutely nothing guess when that was when arthur lee allen was in jail he did that shit oh my god it was so him i believe wholeheartedly in my soul of souls with everything i own and love i believe it is arthur lee allen and that a couple of the murders were work of copycats and he just took credit for them that's my opinion i think that the Kane guy the guy that uh was identified in that photo lineup i think he was kind of a copycat and i think he is the one that uh kidnapped or tried to kidnap that Catherine lady or kathleen johns her the one with the baby i think that he did do that but and i don't think that was the zodiac i think she just wanted it to be like i don't know if that sounds like insensitive but i think she wanted it to be the zodiac because it kind of was like attention grabbing and that sounds really rude like i again like she did get abducted at one point or another either way and that sucks super heartbroken for her but i think she wanted it to be the zodiac so she get a little attention off of it now i this is sad but i i really don't think we're ever gonna really know who did it i don't i really do believe that this is just gonna be the end of it maybe we'll figure it out i don't know you know it'd be nice if we knew but i i don't think we ever will in fact know that this was arthur lee allen or this was this kane guy lawrence kane i don't think we're gonna know i wish we would but we won't because this has been a very long open case and i don't know i mean they, they recently cracked one of the ciphers maybe they'll crack the 13 letter one and they'll figure out who it was you never know let's hope anyways this has been a long one <laughs> thank you so much for being a part of this extensive episode of the crime and calamity podcast i would love to know what you think in the comments as well as the podcast email which is crime and calamity at gmail.com all of my socials will be listed in the description and thank you so much to sergi who is my lovely boyfriend for producing my podcast everyone have a great week and i will see you next time with hopefully another spicy case bye guys